This is Joseph Gervaisi. I'm here with Michael McManus of the Pagan Babies. Uh, we're doing this interview on July 3rd, 2013 at my house here in beautiful Roxborough. Um, and this is part of the Loud Fast Philly series. So, hello Michael. Hey. Or do you prefer Mike? For the that interview? Mike's fine. Yeah. Okay, Mike yeah. then. Uh, so, I guess the way that we always begin is where you were born uh, and when. I was born in uh, 1966 in Philadelphia. What part of Philly? Uh, <laughs> it's already getting... You not remember the, my, now, now, my birth certificate actually says like what did it say, Cumberland County or something? But so yeah, but I but I but I was, grew up in Northeast Philly, okay. Oxford Circle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you live there still now, then, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I actually when I when I bought my place in ninety uh, one, uh, I actually moved probably about a block or two away from my my parents' old place. Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know Philly or, or know Northeast Philly, what is that neighborhood like in in general? And well, I guess you should say. What was it like at the time that you were growing up in it? I'd say it wasn't middle class. I mean, so, absolutely, definitely middle class. I don't know if there was such a thing, if there was such a thing, upper middle class. Um, but, uh, I mean, we, but, you know, we had certain things that, you know, at the time that you would be dealing with, drugs and stuff like that. But from a crime perspective, it was, it was pretty, pretty, um, quiet when it came to that so it was pretty pretty sh I, I i really look at it like it was a the experience about the uh, it was slightly sheltered they said that's what i think really mm -hmm. about it what did your parents do my father was a letter carrier mailman mm -hmm. um he retired he did 35 years with the usps and then um my mother you know as the as the economy dictated would supplement with work she she had worked for tasty cake for sears mm -hmm. um more like on a part-time basis right, you know right. so tell me a little bit about the the you before you discover punk i mean what were your interests what were you like as a as a kid you know pre-discovery of this thing i was uh i was always into sports um played more neighborhood sports than i did like in the rec centers and stuff like that was always into mischief was always into climbing, was always in the like trespassing. I mean it was just like just just it's <laughs> just I should point out that Michael Michael's wife is here, is kinda of nodding along. Did you two know each other from, from kids or what or No, or I, I met him at work, but okay. I know about Yeah, she knows his all this stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like I was a climber. So like whatever the higher the better. Mm -hmm. You know, and so yeah, mischievous. I mean, but you know, my parents don't complain. Like you talk to my father. My father's very. Other than that mischievous stuff, he was like he thought he was pretty blessed with the way I was because he, he, I guess, seeing all the, the news and you know all the what he hears now and what he knew about the neighborhood back then or some some experiences that he knew some parents were having. He thought he, you know, he, he was pretty blessed with the way it worked out. But he he only had to get me once in jail, so. And that was very, that was very, that was just a scare tactic. I got okay. caught. <laughs> I got caught doing what? I got caught on the, um, you know, trees weren't enough, so I had to end up on the elementary school roof with bottle rockets. What was it about this uh, climbing business that was so... I fun? have no idea, man. I just, could, I just could not stop. I just would climb on everything. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I just liked the thrill of it, I guess. And then if somebody was on something, I had to get to it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I knew it got, you know, pe- people climbed on it. So Carnell, Carnell schools at Front Neck and um, and Devereaux. So we used to go up on that roof a lot. That was a pretty high point. And then we'd go up there and shoot bottle rockets off the roof. Nice. I'm glad you never found a giant beanstalk because you'd be dealing with a giant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would suck. Oh, my God. So, yeah, but anyway, then we were up there. And then, you know, the, the bottle rockets gave us away. And then here came a hook and ladder. We didn't even realize that the fire truck was coming to get us. We, mm-hmm. we were like, oh, there goes a fire truck. Next thing you know, pulled into the schoolyard. Right. And I was like, yeah, there's nowhere to hide. So, so that was the only, the only arrest? Yeah, and it was like, it was so minor. They just were trying to scare us. Yeah, they yeah. said something, you know, it was just a minor crap, you know. So that was that. So how, how was it that punk wound up coming into your life, and, and when was that? Well, you know, I, was, I started really digging music when I was in high school. I might, might have listened to Kiss a little. Mm-hmm. That might have been, the, like, I, I almost remember the first three records I had. It was like, it was like Hall & Oates, mm-hmm. Kiss, uh, Kiss Alive, no, Kiss Double Platinum. Paul notes and Billy Joel it was really odd, you know, like and, and and like I would listen I finally got like a record player and that was I just remember that being that might have been maybe around eighth grade, seventh grade maybe. And then when I got into high school, um started getting more or less I was started I was in the Ozzy Osbourne maybe like freshman year mm-hmm. and would te- and then I, I met a group of guys one of my, one of my, the Dan McGinnis and Peggy Babies, me and him met in high school. So he's like, you know, they're, 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 you know, we just started sharing different things. He was in a rush, you know, and we go back and forth, and I take a couple insults for being in Ozzy Osbourne because he, that was garbage, you know, and so I was like, yeah, 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 you know, we just go back and forth, and then all of a sudden, I remember sophomore, maybe sophomore year of high school. We were at Cardinal Doherty, Cardinal Doherty, and and uh, you know there was a, a network of that graduating class that I that we were hanging out with in school and talking to in homeroom that were that were punk that were in the punk for us anyway. So this is early eighties, right? Yeah, this is probably like eighty two, eighty one, mm-hmm. and then um, I remember like somebody would bring a mixtape in off of WKDU. And then, you know, they'd share it, and then we'd be like, well, I like this track. And then, of course, you'd have, yeah, I really dig this one. Oh, that, that part sucks. Listen to this. And now it was just all this back-and-forth ball-breaking stuff we were doing in high school. Yeah. And um, I just remember, like, the Meat Men. We, we started listening to Meat Men. And we were in it, you know, it was so wild what they were saying. You know, like, one down, three to go, and, all, and, and getting crippled children sucking all this stuff. And it was just like, it was like, what the hell? And, you know, but then the music really kind of just was such a, it was, it was so, we just gravitated to it. And then um, about like, so we were listening to it, just exchanging tapes. Of course, I wasn't allowed, my parents weren't really digging me going out to see bands. Mm-hmm. Till December of 83. So that was your first yeah. show? Yeah. I don't know if I'm jumping too far. Up ahead. No, no, we're, we're cool. I mean, unless you think we missed something kind of crucial. No, it was just like we, like we would all go hang out at each other's houses and like put on circle jerks, put on you know meat men, put on like you know black flag, angry Samoans. And did you have to kind of seek out like some of these records sometimes? Like go to places, you know, it must have been harder, you know, to yeah, pick we, up the actual records. Sure. Well, we had two two spots. We would go to re- record seller up in um, 
that was on Bustleton Avenue, south of Tyson. Yeah. They they were doing they they were doing they would have some punk records like a little bit, mm-hmm. or we were Third Street Jazz. Third Street Jazz in the basement had everything. So you would go in there and you know if you were willing, wanted to take a trip in the center city. If not, like you said, we'd hit what's the name. And then of course, like wall to wall sound would have like three misfits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Records. Yeah, and they, yeah. They'd, they'd have, they'd have the, yes, they'd have that, you know, and I remember, we got, I remember getting, you know, maybe, but this wasn't really punk like English beat. We'd get it sound the market, mm-hmm. you know, back then. But punk wise, yeah, third, third Street Jazz was our big, that was the main spot we would hit. So prior to going to the show, were you and your friends kind of identifying yourselves as punk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were, you know, yeah, we, no doubt about that. I mean, we were, you know, shopping in thrift stores, you know, um, buying like, you know, it had to be like some old man's clothes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, which was what we were into. I mean, I'm still kind of into it. I mean, now, now like, like these pants, it was like baggy, something baggy, even though they didn't look baggy in some of these pictures, I see myself. They weren't baggy at all. They were like freaking boxer shorts, uh, at best. Yeah. But like, yeah, we would we would uh, just um, do a lot. You know, we hit the thrift store, sit out front, listening to, listening to tapes, and then, you know, it was it was such a shock to anyone around us. So trying to, you know, we all right away got the stereotype of being like either, you know, uh, crazy crazy. You know, be like crazy fucks. You know what I mean? And we we're like, yeah, a bunch of faggots. Really not. Yeah, you would get hit. Well, you know what? It was weird. Like in our, up in our neighborhood, and I, I noticed this a lot. A lot of, at Cardinal Dockery too. People were scared of it. Like they were scared, and they were more like, yeah, yeah I do that. I'm into that that, that slam banging. <laughs> you know, and I, I get into that too. You guys, you guys are awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's more so much better to have people afraid of you than, than people attempting yeah, to intimidate you. Yeah, it was. But the, the th- reason being was there was such a spread of people that were into it. Mm-hmm. Like you had, you had like the the Val Victorian was into it, right? Right. So, and he was a he was a wrestler. You know what I mean? He was on the wrestling team. So it's like you had all these people that, like, it was funny. Like senior week, I remember going going down the beach and. Uh, Seeing some guy in a complete, like a onesie, <laughs> a, you know, like one of them swimsuit onesies, mm-hmm. and every girl in the graduating class was trying to talk to him just because they were like, "Holy shit, this guy's got a f- like! Look at this dude!" Yeah, I yeah. mean, they already knew him, but but it was like it, it was almost weird. Like instead, like I know what you're saying, like like you get like look at these bunch of faggots. You you really didn't get the. I don't remember the hate. I remember the. I remember. I remember people grab almost gravitating to it. Yeah. And uh, they they would be in the Van Halen, and then you would you would be like, yeah, well, yo, you guys, yeah, I like that Metallica. You got yeah, I love all that stuff. You know, like, and yeah, yeah. It, it was more like this 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 like, it was just that was the vibe I got when you know from back then. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. So, coming into the the first show, then, where where was this, and who was playing? You know, what year? Well, we went. You know, like. Constantly getting all the like Jeff Jenkins was my, uh, you know the KDU crew from back then. They were they were like I I still know I don't know many. My wife will tell you I don't remember a lot of names, but I remember like I remember those guys Jeff Jenkins Mac. Um, I remember the shows like Swimmer's Ear and 
and uh, wild, uh, radical, insane, off the wall tunes. That was Jeff Jenkins' show. Mm-hmm. So they would they would give like the bet like you would just sit there waiting. It'd be like twelve o'clock at night, and you'd be on this shady connection with uh, your headset on, like yeah. and just like waiting for Philly. Who's happening. playing? Who's playing? Yeah, and like I almost went in November that year. The Circle Jerks played. This is eighty three, right? This was eighty three, November eighty three. I almost went that November, but I couldn't talk my parents and let me go down because they they were like, "What time? What time? What? 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 what, what? And I'm all these questions. Yeah. Um. So that following month, they had uh, it was the the actual bill at Love Hall, Broad and South, was Husker Du, Minutemen, um, Circle of Shit, and FOD. It's one hell of a first show. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And, and you know what? And it was just it, the, the bill alone. I mean, I, I really think that it could have been the most four ob- obscure and unlistenable punk acts of all time, and it still would have been an amazing thing. Oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, the fact that it was. Who it was, and I had um, Metal Circus from Who's Do, and had a lot of Minutemen stuff on tape. So it was, I was really, you know, I was like, I'm, I'll be able to go to that. And then um, it was funny because just the situation I was in with the, my mom and dad and home and real, real um, safe environment in my house. Mm-hmm. Like telling them that, oh, when's it start? I, I, I eight. Well, when are you getting home? Oh, I, I don't. I don't know. Well, it, 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 none of these things. It's you know, and I didn't really realize until I got down here that it, that this was not starting at eight. It wasn't starting at eleven. That started at pump time. Who the hell knows what when that thing's got? Pump time is right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was past the forty ounce or something. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was. Uh, I went to that and got got grounded. By the time I got home, it was probably like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And that was you know and. Uh, Although it's probably very worth it though. Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what is it like for you? Like when you're a kid, you kind of been listening to this music with your friends, but now you come into this space where all of these insane people are, you know, jumping on top of each other's heads yeah. and running around in circles. Like all of this shit is actually happening yes. around you. The swirling Absolutely. chaos. It's it's. You know, it blows your mind even more than what the music's been doing. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you're in it, you hear this fresh sound and you hear these real interesting thoughts. Like granted, the Meat Men were really extreme to a degree when it came to certain things but but then when you go and you realize that most of the entertainers that you've experienced in your life are really jerk offs like not just saying just saying if you like I met Hulk Hogan once he was a total asshole you know I mean this was back in this was back in like before then so I had this list like as a wrestling fan and I'm not you know most of the wrestlers are cool and all but but the but the that like to be like right there like like here's you're standing here and here's like Bob Mould, yeah. you know Grant Hart, and you're on D Boone and you're like you're like you're like I'm actually like I can touch I can like touch these guys they're that close and yeah. there's no there's no it's not the spectrum mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like you're not you're not at this concert where you're 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 the fan right. you're you're this is your area to sit and stand and don't get carried away. And then here's where the band's at. It, it was right, just and never the two shall meet. Yeah, correct. Right. And and that 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 experience of having like just going in there and I I mean I had no I tried to, I tried to like project what it was going to look like, you know. And I and there was no way, like I you know even talking in school I'm like oh I'm going you're going to Love Hall, yeah I'm going to Love Hall yeah big deal, you know what's going on down here and it's like you know it's like all that and then when it got got down there like. I mean, it was like a, it was like a squat. 
-hmm. You know, it was like I, I I don't even know if it was legal electricity that was in there. I don't know if I don't know if they just like it was a wire that they tapped into something. And, it's um, the wild days of Philadelphia, so people are probably getting away with a lot more shit yeah, than they would sure. now. Yeah, L&I is not letting that shit fly in 2015. Yeah. And they had, I remember having a loft up top. You know, you could, you know, just wandering around in there going, holy shit. And I'm like, did, just didn't expect, I didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't even that. It wasn't even what I saw. With the, the energy, like the, just the way the place looked, I mean, it was really like a high ceiling living room. You know what I mean? It really was. It really was just that, and and um. You know, it was it was amazing, and then you know they're the Husker Du are ripping into like, you know, the songs that you, you know, I I it, it, I wasn't that far away from listening to Ozzy Osbourne and listening to like Dire of a Madman, and then were Blizzard of Oz and seeing him in his position. When I heard Husker Du, it was more intense for me. Mm -hmm. It was more enjoyable, and then to know, you know what I mean? So I already was already pedestaling these performers. Right, right. And, there, and there they are, right? And, right. and here they are. And then, then you hear her on the side, and you're like, hey, what's going on? Hey, man, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, And you're like, this is, is, it, what is, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And then, it, so just from there, and it, you know, just, it was like, you know. I mean, I still went to the Spectrum from time to time to see stuff, but I just thought when I went in there, I was part of like a privileged group. Mm -hmm. oh, and yeah, it was yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just sitting there like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, but I've experienced this. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I've, yeah. I've experienced Love Hall, and you know, so. Yeah. So how long is it from when you're grounded to when you're allowed to actually like start going to shows in earnest on a regular basis? I mean, you know what? I went right back. I mean, it didn't it didn't last long because I I, I saw TSOL I think that February, mm -hmm. so it was probably like a month, and then it was like. You know, they, you know, the thing with my parents was who who's all going. So at the time it was just me and my boy on, on, on that I lived with on my street. Uh, Eric Eric Squadroni. He no, was in he was in the original right. Pagan Babies as well. Mm -hmm. You know, in the Pagan Babies, and um, so it was just me and him. And I think I think they were a little concerned about that. But then when people from Doherty all started going, yo, we're all getting together and going down. Then it was like you know the, I think they started going. You know what? They, and, and plus I was like, damn, I was damn, eighty three. I'm, I'm seventeen years old. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, okay, can we... I guess if you prove yourself as a sort of responsible is, kid, yeah. and you're not running around with, like, a needle sticking out of your arm or <laughs> yeah, something, yeah. you know, they figured, like, you could probably right. handle this. And they started learning. My dad was a real, very, like, social, political, read the newspaper every day, watched the news every day, 60 minutes every Sunday. You know, and he started vibe. I think he got, he started going, man, he really talking about some, and it was all from music. Mm -hmm. Whether it was social commentary I was having from listening to something, like whatever, whatever. So he was seeing a positive effect on like oh, kind yeah. of your intellectual. Yeah, you're seeing wow, yeah, you know, like like he's, you know, and then I would talk about like maybe a political issue that I that we that you know in the punk crowd at the time we were talking about, you know, and uh, you know he started going what up, you know, and I think he started going well, this is probably not not is not a bad place for him, even though we don't know where the hell he's going. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That this is probably not a bad thing for for him. You know what I mean? So. So where were you seeing shows in Philly uh, at the time, you know, early, early to mid-80s? Well, I started, you know, Love Hall and the Long March. Yeah, what was that? Place? That's across the street from Love Hall, mm -hmm. um, broad and south. So uh, there were only, I think there were only just a few shows there, right? Or, or was it... Uh, I saw, I saw, I know I saw Black Flag there and I saw TSOL there. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that might have been it. Maybe maybe that was all they they might have did a handful more. I'm not really positive. But then then it really to me started. Um, we started going out to West Philly, and I probably saw you know a, a ton of shows out at, at Abe's, mm-hmm. and then at CE Center. Right, right. And then we, I, I remember, and the Crypt was that. I don't know, Where was that? The Crypt was I, but you know, one of these the West. I mean, I know I could probably stand corrected, but I thought that was on four, that Abe's was on Fortieth Street, and I think the Crypt was on like. It was on Chestnut. It was like maybe I think that was Chestnut by 40th, maybe a block down. Mm-hmm. Um, that was somebody's basement. It was yeah. a house. It was always basement stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, like, but I saw a ton of stuff. And then we then um, KDU had their own house. I'm sure Lenny, Lenny, will, I forget the exact location in that. I thought that was like more like 33rd and Spring Garden. They used to do some real nice stuff in their basement. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was you're you're seeing like Scream, right? Yeah. And Husker, and I saw Husker do there too. In, in a basement. In a basement, <laughs> and 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 it's like the 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 hot water heater was like, <laughs> yeah. It was it was really really unique stuff, and you know and that, and, and uh, the time I saw Husker do there, that was right before Zen Arcade came out. So we. We're like, oh, who's going to be out at um, Jeff Jenkins' house? That's what we knew it as, mm-hmm. coming from Oxford Circle. And we're like, you know, Jeff Jenkins' house. When we got out there, and Bob Mould's up on the porch with um with the bass player. I don't know if you know them like that. Grand Hart, you know. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got wrestling on. Inter- this is really wild stuff, because how this played out during the course of the Bob Mould's life anyway like so he's up there and they're watching wrestling so so me and me and my boy are like oh yeah Samoans cool and then Bob Mould's like oh you guys watch wrestling it's like yeah we watch it all the time but where where do you go and we're like it's fucking Bob Mould dude <laughs> yeah. I mean they're the spectrum you know yeah. like watch wrestling is that where they had wrestling was it the spectrum oh yeah oh, yeah they so, were, it seems so so big they yeah and they sold it out too they, they were yeah. it was that's kind of wild yeah they were getting they were getting like 18,000 in there for that Jesus here he well you, you know his, where he ended up promoting for WCW. Actually, I didn't know. Oh, it's it's so amazing Bob, what, stuff. How, what, what? So he's just going on and on about, and we're like, it's fucking Bob Mool. Yeah. And he's like, and, and and it was weird. Like there was a bunch of guys in there, and they're all like, Bob, yo, come here, Bob, Bob. So he would go and yeah, 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 yeah. So we're like, what what kind of wrestling? And we're like, no. Who do these guys like? You know, like Jimmy Snooker, Bob Backlund, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm from, we're from Minneapolis, man. We know, you know, but we know about Bob Backlund. He's from Minneapolis, uh, Princeton, Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, going and on and on. And we're like, man, that dude is sociable as hell. Like, wow, this is so cool, you know? And we spent like an hour just bullshitting about wrestling. Oh, next time we're in, we should all get together and go down there. That's fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be happening with Ozzy. If you can even understand what the <laughs> fuck he's saying, he's not, not going to be like going to Not at all, dude. Man, this was, this was years later. This was, this was probably like in 85, I think. You know, like something like that. But like, yeah. And then, then you know, then you find out years later. I mean, I followed him through Sugar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, and his solo stuff. And, you know, that, he's one of my, that's one of my punk rock heroes. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, to have that experience. And then here he went on to WCW. He was he was working. He was he was in charge of the, 
I think he was in charge of a territory booking for them. Uh, that seems so weird. I had no idea. Totally I mean, weird. It just seems like you know his his career trajectory would just have nothing to do with wrestling. Maybe mm-hmm. a personal interest, but it's just so musical genius. Think. He's got yeah. like this guitar sound that's just completely oh, all yeah. his. Yeah. And he really, really wanted to do wrestling. Yeah. Very so. strange, but I'm glad it worked out. Go figure. I mean, uh, that was that. So before we get into Pagan Babies, who who are the bands on the scene at the time from Philly that you, that you were especially enjoying? FOD, like I love loved FOD, had the seven inch. Uh, so, anytime they were playing, that was and they, and that was the first band I ever saw because when we walked through the doors, Love Hall, Jim was up there just doing you know, shouldn't say just Jim and Dave, yeah. but I mean like, I was like, wow, this is awesome, and um, so FOD, Crime One Core, Little Gentleman, and Ru- Ruin. You know, we saw, you know, uh, sadistic exploits. We're playing that a lot, too. And it's weird. Like, I try to, I get, I get, I get like a blur as to when Pegging Babies were playing because then I remember, I remember D-Control, but I remember D-Control more from playing with them. And they, we're only talking about a few years. Yeah. And they, they probably got started even back, maybe that early, too, back in... 84 or something like that, but I remember playing with them. That, that was more like toward, towards 87, 86. But, um, and, but FOD and Ruin were like really, they were my favorites locally. Scram, we, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that was, that was Electric Love Muffin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. That's what made the city so, that, that's what really made us so great because it was on any, any night. You could see a bill filled with like it could be a scram electric love muffin FOD bill. It was on with three completely different styles of music. Yeah, I think that's really know? great about Philadelphia. I mean, I've just kind of come up with some of the other interviews that maybe Philly didn't get as much notice because there was no defined Philly sound. Mm-hmm. But you had a city with all of these bands, and none of them were clones of each other. They all had exactly. an individual sound, Absolutely. which I think is you know it's really amazing that the city would support that. I mean, a band like Scram was almost completely unpunk, but were beloved. Absolutely. Like people and got like the grouchiest people to actually dance and have time and <laughs> yes absolutely and that, that is quite an achievement in this no, city so no doubt about it yeah no doubt uh, so how did how did Piggy Babies then come together and, and when was that well me and Eric were me and Eric Squadroni were had already done some stuff where we plugged into like a receiver up in his bedroom we blew real his father's receiver out I remember like plugging a bass into it but we were jamming, and we had a we had a little thing called Three Freak Night, which was really odd. But we recorded. We 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 had like we had some real wild thrash on it. It's my first time putting vocal, but I was playing bass on it too. Mm-hmm. So we were we were tinkering around with that. Then we got in. Then we got a real drummer. And our first drummer was in this band called Crusade. And at that time, it was um. It was that. That band was was me, Eric Squadroni, Dan McGinnis. Another gentleman we went to Doherty with was playing bass in that. So the three three of the pieces, the Pegan Babies, were in that in Crusade. And we had a couple tracks, and one of them. What what ended up happening was we were on the L one night. This is how I remember it, and Mark Pingator was. They had come up to me and me and him were talking about our how's your band doing? And I was like, yeah, we sent our tape to KDU. It was kind of like it was a basement tape. Put press record on the on the yeah, boom yeah. box. 
we sent him the tape and it was like um, I was like that's okay but I mean we did, we, we really didn't see we had no vision of where, where things were going I mean we saw FOD we saw all them bands that were doing stuff and we thought we were miles away from anything that they were doing and how would we get in any kind of circle to, to play out anyway mm-hmm. and we had a rock drummer he wasn't he wasn't punk he was a great drummer he was a rock and roll drummer that's what he just had no concept of thrash beats so me and Mark were chatting on the L coming on either coming or going from a show and um he said, how's it going? I said, no, we're not really doing anything. He goes, well, why well, have, I play bass. And I have a, I have a drummer. But I think we could, we could do something. And, and, and I think he heard, I think I had, I put some vocal down on the Crusade stuff and it really was insane. Mm-hmm. It was this, and I think there, I think it started, I think that list, listening to that went, well, I think he went, well, that, that would be an interesting vocal twist. Because mm-hmm. it was real pitch. You know, and just, and I, and I think that's where that started. Like he was like, you know, and it's, the, and, and we all knew each other. Me and Mark went to grade school together. He went to Frankfurt High School, but me and him went to St. Martin Tours, grade school. So, we already knew each other. We were friends, friends. You know, we were really cool. No music, just just friends from grade school. So, he was like, yeah, why don't we all get together? And then, and then, um, uh, I think we hooked up a practice up at Eric Squadroni's house, and then we were off and running. And that was uh, early, that was, we, we had wrote one of the songs off the 7-inch, me and Eric, down in Wildwood. We had a place, a bunch of us, just a little flop house that a bunch of us rented one summer. And he would bring his amp down from time to time. He goes, yo, check this out. And he had, he had written a song off our 7-inch called Wellwood Redneck. So we had that song. Mm-hmm. Now, when Mark came, he had this song that, that eventually became Friends, mm-hmm. the song Friends. So... We were already like, well, we got it. We got a song, and and he had a song. So we had, we we just started working on them too, the two of those tracks, and that's how the, I think the first practice really jumped off from there. Mm-hmm. And um, it you know that was that was like the fall of '86. Right after summer was over, we came back, and that that all came to fruition. So how long was it until the seven inch came out? It was it was pretty quick. I mean, because I, I I like. We, we were all pretty interested, but Mark was super driven, and Mark had great contacts, and I mean, he was super involved in the scene. He, he had been doing shows for a long time under Plus Productions, mm-hmm. and he, uh, and I mean, he, you know, he was, uh, heck, he was really, he was really cool with Kevin Seconds, right. and um, so we had about eight, we were messing around with about eight tracks. Ten tracks, and we recorded them all. And Kevin, Kevin Seconds took them when we, we put it out on Positive Force Records. Yeah. So that must be pretty amazing to have your your EP come out on Kevin Seconds. Little bit. Label. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit is right. It was like, cause you know I'm sitting there like, but like I said, Mark, Mark was, Mark was a doer, and it was he was an amazing. I mean, still like, still as amazing as ever. It's just that, that he was driven. You know, he, he, we we were like slacker. Like, we were like, yeah, cool. But we would be at practice, we would show up. But he, you know, was making phone calls. I mean, he had contacts and things were happening. And uh, I just went like this, to grabbed onto his coattails. Mm-hmm. And went, where, what are we doing? Ah, we're playing a crypt. And I was like, we're playing, a, we're playing a crypt. And it's like, what are we playing? Like, we got these songs. And I'm like, Woo-hoo. 
well, what are we doing? Like, there's not many songs, you know, and they're, and they're short. But mm-hmm. we came up with, we, just, we, we were messing with Paranoid, mm-hmm. Black Sabbath, so we, you know, we are. We play with, the very first time we played, we played with, we played at the Crypt. It was probably like fall of 80, winter of 86. We played with this band called Useless Pieces of Shit. Delightful name UPS. for UPS. Only in punk could, yes. that, could that band That's exist. the best thing. Yeah. And, uh, and that, uh, you know, that was, uh, and we were off and running. And there's still pictures of that show around. It's really, really interesting stuff. So yeah. Pagan Babies kind of strikes me as like sort of a, like a quintessential American hardcore band. Like the way that you would, would dress or present yourselves or the records is like very much of like kind of like an American street hardcore. Okay. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. this, I don't know if this makes like, it's not like Mohawks and Spikes and, you know, it was clearly like a, an American hardcore thing and kind of, uh, and then with, you know, with this kind of like touch of like sort of a rap, you know, mm-hmm. some other things going on. I mean, was this like a clearly... Well, we, well, the, the, I think where, where we got, like we were, we were in the hip hop. I mean, we still are, but I mean, like we, we were definitely vibing off of that too as well. But our, I think our, when, when we start talking about like, how that worked into what we were doing, how hip hop and rap worked yeah, into what we were doing. Yeah, because our, our drummer was a graffiti artist. I mean, he and he's a he is an amazing. He's he's really probably one of the best artists I've ever. He did he did all the record. He did the seven inch cover. He did the LP cover. The LP cover is really one of the best things I've ever seen. And it's like it's That's our fantastic. band. Yeah. yeah, it's a total graffiti tag. It has so it has the uh, the L train. You know, uh, like comic, like you know, what I mean, like a uh, comic illustration of that, mm-hmm. and we and we, but you know, it was. I think that, and then when we played um, "Fuck You on Punk," when we started messing with that, that's off our LP. You know, we started doing some beats, and 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 and, and that kind of took off. I don't think we really focused on having that being a steady thing that we were going to keep revisiting while we were playing because we were playing hardcore. Yeah, but then. It was weird because then you, we, I remember going to a show with um, the Beastie Boys and Murphy's Law played it. You know what I mean? This, that was in the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like you, I, it was almost like we were like, well, th- th- this is like, like a natural mix for whatever reason. It just yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. that you that that's I mean you know that, that was coming together, and um, I think it was kind of unique in hardcore at the time to see that kind of use of graffiti and stuff as. Yes. It's with a hardcore band. Yes. I mean, I think that that kind of came to fore like much later, but at the time, they're really no doubt. I, yeah, I can't think of many other bands. And it was, and the interesting thing was, like as the LP was put out, you know, I started seeing that more and more. I started seeing that a lot in New York. I started seeing that, like token entry, mm-hmm. like I, yeah. I, they they were they were like that they were tagging too, like on their just that type of style, you know, graffiti style. Um, started seeing that a little more often up there um but it was you know i mean we we had like five completely five completely different guys in it our drummer our drummer would wear a mohawk from time to time mark was always dyeing his hair mark would you know he like blonde black like me like i just was like whatever like i unless unless i was shaved i would just like grow hair like it wasn't like I was about as me and Dan kind of. I don't think we really outside of like our clothing. You know, we weren't mohawk people. Eric once in a while would have a mohawk, then then 
he would he would get into tie dye. So we we did have like a pretty broad mix of like almost like uh, fashion style, so to speak, like uh, in the group. You know what I mean? Like it was an interesting group of guys. You know with that. So how did the record, the LP, wind up coming together? Um. Well, oh god, that's a good question. Because I know, like, we had to. I don't know. I would actually have to consult with Mark about exactly the, the behind the scenes of how Hawker, how we did that with Hawker. I mean, do you, do you recall how your relationship came about? That, that they with would be them? Able, yeah, they would be the ones that. Really that was a contact that Mark had. And I'm and I and, and this I, was token entries label, right? They were on that. Yeah. They were on the Hawker. Um. But I don't remember honestly. But it's a shame. I don't remember exactly how how he was in contact with them. How that came off like that. Why it wasn't with positive force. I don't remember that. Right. So that's you ever a, get an opportunity? Like a, so go ahead. I'm sorry. That's kind of like totally like the buzzkill. Because <laughs> for you, you're like. I don't remember. I just remember, you know, going in the studio and putting the tracks down. And the one thing I remember about that is their office was the floor below Def Jam. Oh, really? So of course, you know, we're we're and and King Diamond was on Hawker, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I I know I know the because me and Mark went up and then we're doing promo for the for the LP. So we drove up to New York and you know, it's, I was like such a. Frick. He's like, yeah, I was going to hang out with King Diamond. I'm like, yeah, I just want to go home. Like, I was Come such on. a jerk off, You want to hang out with King Diamond? I know, man. I was such a freaking, just a nerd, man. I was like, but it was like, I, you know, I'm, I, but the funny, the reason why I brought it up is like, he, he's like, yeah, no, it's VIP, man. And I'm like, oh, I was going to go, I thought we were going to play wiffle ball tonight or some dumb shit. Like, but we get up there and there's two, there's two magazines interviewing us. And it's me and Mark. And the one was, one was affiliated with Cream. Like they were going to do like a speed metal punk thingy. Yeah, that would be the time for that. Yeah. So, and the other one, I the other one, don't remember who it was, but it was the, the questions were relevant. Like, do you guys, where do you guys get the inspiration to write the hardcore? And what was your, you know, where's your your, your roots and blah blah blah. And that. Cool, it's good stuff. The next interview, and I don't, I don't remember if that's the Cream one, and that probably is because it was a photographer. We went to do the one with Cream magazine, or whatever. End up in this hotel room, and me and Mark go in there, and we're already going in there. And he's like, "Man, I was really thinking about King Diamond," and I remember going, "Hey, dude, I want to go back, man. I want to go back." And then we get into this room, and the guy's like, "Hey, fellas." And we're like sitting there looking at him. He's got all this food. Now, now I'm in the. I love food. Yeah, free, so it's like free food's the best. Food, 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 yeah. food. Just the whole night just went. Oh, food. Yeah. So we're. I'm eating pizza, and the guys are like, "Yeah, help yourself, and uh, we'll get the interview done. We want you guys fed." And rah, 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 rah. so we're sitting there eating. I'm like, "Hey, cool. Yeah, New York, New York pizza." And then the guy goes, "Okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. We got some pictures. We want to talk about the fan club." We told him we want to talk about the pen pals, and and, and, and it's just like it's just like yeah. what are you talking about? I'm eating, so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So he goes, but first we want you to wreck this room real quick, and I, and I was like, what what are you talking about? Just wreck it, man. Watch this. Oh, and he takes the pizza and he throws it. <laughs> what the? And it's 
and Mark's like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I'm like, dude, this is, yeah, but it's like, uh, is, this, is this like Outer Limits? What are we, like, some episode of <laughs> And um, he goes, Go, no. He goes, you know what? I, I see it now, and he's doing this, and I see it over here. Go through these blinds over here by the window. And, we're, and I never saw the pictures. Damn. But there's pictures of me and Mark somewhere, op- like ripping the blinds of this hotel room down, like ripping through them and making faces and stepping on the pizza. You can't eat it. Thro- yeah, like it, oh, he threw money around too. He threw about I don't know how much. He, I should have grabbed that. I, I should have just took it. <laughs> he he just that went. Would have been the punkest move. And he, I think he was like it was like he was English, like so it was like European guy, like he was like. And near the money and it's a trash and throwing stuff around and we we're like we're like this is what the guy his impression was of what we were you know what I mean what yeah. what, what what we were which was really odd and then, you know so I just remember that and I remember, I just remember trying to sneak up the Def Jam because Hawker was right below there it wasn't like we were like hanging out at Hawker it was like oh Def Jam's upstairs yeah yeah like oh maybe LL will be up there. You know what I mean? Or Slayer or something, or Rick Rubin, and you know, so. Imagine if you got to play wiffle ball with King Diamond. I think that would Come be on. hot. That would be the fucking most On a skyscraper. You know what this guy looks like, King Diamond? <laughs> he has a full full <laughs> face of makeup, but with a mustache, like a kind of like a white and black, like clowny makeup, but he sings with a really high voice, he's really theatrical. <laughs> and I'm just trying to imagine him with a mustache playing with Alright, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll think about this later in my own time. Right. Uh, so anyways, okay, so uh, eventually the band, I guess, winds down for some period of time. And what, what precipitates the end of... No, I, I ended up... I, I was going to LaSalle University. And when I got out of there, um, I had to get a job. I owed them like 10 grand for school. And uh, what, that's really what it came down to. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't commit to any more... Like, we had gone... Um, summer, early summer of 88, we went to California. Went on tour. Played like a handful of shows. Came back. How did they go? How did you go over? Um, I mean, it was it was, it was great. It, it it was probably something that I didn't really envision myself doing again because it was like it was like a van full of sweaty dudes. Wait, so you, did, you, like, did you fly over and then get a van and tour? Oh no no I mean, no no no! You no, drive? No. I mean, no, you, we had tin tin can death. Okay, right, right. We had All the right, official. So you, we had we had a, a yellow van with a U-Haul in the back. So did you play dates along the way? Yeah, we California? played. Okay. We played the Outback in Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, which is they they're they're actually they got a documentary coming out as well about yeah. that place. Mm-hmm. That was like in the middle of a cornfield, and then I remember uh, we did uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Then we did uh, I think we might not have played again in Utah, Salt Lake, Reno. Huh? Yeah, or that's where my drummer lives now, okay. Moab, Utah. Okay. But we were in, we played in Salt Lake City, uh, Reno, Nevada. And we went out to Davis, California. We played at um, Gilman Street, and uh, came back. But when we kept, when we went out, the one night we played at Salt Lake City, we played with with a Metallica cover band, which I really was shocked that I can't believe this <laughs> bill was together. But you know they they. Uh, did their thing and no one was there because it was it's a Mormon town so mm. it was a it, whatever night it was that they're not allowed it that they're not out I don't know if it's Friday night yeah I can't even remember I, 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 I Wikipedia it now yeah. Yeah. but whatever night it was they weren't out 
and it was the guy that put it on. Uh, oh, I think it was the guy that did was was a put was uh, operating running Raunch Records, and um, we ended up going back out the date we did. We played at uh, University of California. We played uh, in at Davis. We played on the radio. Played a gig there. Did Gilman Street and then started heading back. The guy from Salt Lake City called us again and went, "Oh, I, I got." Because he, he was totally disappointed. He forgot, you know, the date and how it's set up with their the religious thing that was going on in Salt Lake. And he was like, oh, why not? He goes, I got a gig for you to play with Dag Nasty. Yeah. And that was just like... Much better it than was like, a cover band. Wow, really? Yeah. And yeah. And that was uh, right around with Wig Out, when they did Wig Out at Denko's. Yeah, so we, we right. came in there, hung out with, you know, rap with Brian Baker. That was that was just good stuff. Yeah. R yeah. More, more cool people. You know what I mean? And, um... So, all in all, it was great. I mean, it was great because we, you know, we were we, we really like we were good friends, all of us. So it was like you, you know, you're just in tight, man. Like any touring band, I mean, so when I guess like if you go out as a three piece, it's probably like there's more space. We were five and two and a mechanic, which we needed. We needed the mechanic. He ended up replacing. This breaks down all. The, this is every band's experience. Is that you know yeah. you, you go a hundred miles if the ship breaks down. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And we broke down. We broke down in Nevada. And, our boy, and he was probably one of the most talented guys in the group, and he was the mechanic. Mm -hmm. And um, he, uh, so we had seven of us in this band, and I mean, it, it was, oh man. I mean, it, we could, it was Tim Can Death. That was, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be an official interview unless I said Tim Can Death, <laughs> because it was, it was all Tim, it was, they, the muffler was right where it was located. You know, we had it nice and set up like we had a two-tier little wooden platform so people could lay up top, people could lay below. But the thing is, with laying below, that was burning right through this. We had this, like, spongy plastic yeah. uh, cover for comfort. And it was like, I remember, like, Dan, Dan, Dan will probably contest this a little bit, but he really slept for a long time on that trip. And I and I think it had a lot to do with he was right on the muffler, Oof. and it was hot. It was almost like it just puts you in a coma. Yeah, it slipped to death every time. Yeah, because when we took the plastic out, it was burnt. Oof. It was melted yeah. from the heat from that from from it, and um, so it, it was a hell of a it was a pretty cramped. Anytime whatever town we pulled in, we all just went. <laughs> everyone just split, and just found somebody to hang with just to get you know just get get some. Downtime, you know what I mean? But that was a great, it was a great experience. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, did you wind up staying interested in punk in the years that followed after? Yeah. Well, you know what? What ended up happening is like, oh yeah, definitely. Like I, I never, always. I look at it this way. Like I think when I, when uh, I had started my job, I got stuck on night work. Like I occasionally I'd be able to get down to Trocadero and do. What, what is your What is your work now? If you I, I work for the postal service okay. as well. I I've been there for twenty five years. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but like I was stuck on night work, and uh, and I just had this total fear of this this note that I had and paying it off, and so I I, I just worked 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 at night, worked the weekends, and it it kind of sucked because it never allowed time to really do a whole lot other than work. And spent time with my girlfriend at the time, and then, um, but I was always lit. Oh, you know, I was always keep keep listening to. Well, I never stopped. Never stopped listening to 
punk and hardcore. That time I was getting, well, I was into Testament. You know what I mean? I was listening to, you know, and then the Nirvana and stuff like that and all. Then I was picking up all these other bands that, you know, that I, that were new to me at the time. And then, um, I had children. I got married. I had two children. And I, and it was almost when my son turned eight, I felt like I could put myself back out. And, and uh, I mean, it was times during the course of raising my children, even when my daughter was young, where I, I tried to get another band together. It just never happened. A lot of the people that I, that I was doing music with kind of moved into different styles. But all I ever wanted to play was hardcore. I never wanted to, like, I would sit at home and play with my acoustic and play like, you know, chord up and play different ringing stuff and whatnot. But like, I, I never wanted to perform anything but hardcore. I, I, I never wanted anything like that. So it, it took a long time to, ever, to, to really get into someone that fit my schedule, which was really just hanging out possibly on the weekends. You know what I mean? Like most people want to be more active than that. They want to be, you know, they want to be at it. They want to practice multiple times a week play maybe two or three times a month but working 40 hours a week it really just wasn't it wasn't doable for me so it took a long time to find people to come back out again and play a very unique style of music mm. plus a drummer that was like when I started doing the heels when the heels came back when I got the heels together that was um hell I was 39 years old so what, what year about was that then? 2006 okay so is it, that was yeah. around the time. 2005 the, or six? Six. Yeah. So is that around the time, the time that the Pagan Babies reunion show took place? Yeah, well, we were, I think at that time we were, we were, again, we were, me, Eric, Squadroni, and Dan had been, we started the heels like, and we were like, having an impossible time finding a drummer. So we were already playing, and then Legends of Hardcore came up. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, that, that was real intriguing. Like, wow, we, would we all be interested in doing that? And everyone, everyone just thumbs up to that. And, uh, and, and it, it, it hasn't happened since, and it's probably not going to happen since. So you think that's then. it for the band? It's not for, for the original members, yeah. Right. Except, yeah. I mean, you are playing the, the Ruin show. That's yes. Got, but that's going to be three of the four, or how many of the... Three. Three, okay. Three of the four. It's, it's, it's almost... Uh, the, the Ruin show is going to be the heels with, with Mark Pingator okay. playing bass. So it'll be three of the four. And it, and, and it, and it will also have been guys that have played the music uh, uh, the drummer from the heels Eric Perfect he's he's in this project as well mm-hmm. and Alex Pavone who's also in the heels and he, you know he, he, these guys have been very well networked within punk and hardcore and stuff like that uh, since I you know probably as long as I've been um, which makes sense because the only it, the, it was interesting like when we played the Legends of Hardcore in 07 right yeah. At that night, Frank Phobia, do you, do you, Phobia, yeah, and yeah. he's he's done he does DRP records. He had come up to us that night and went, you know, you need this all digit. You need a CD of this. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, I just was like, okay, like I whatever, sounds good, you know. And um, 
him and Mark had got together on different things. And then what happened was when that when that came to be, and there's a DVD in that as well. When that came to be, Frank wanted a show to, to kick that off. But our drummer lives in Moab, Utah, and it just wasn't realistic for him to come back for it. So we did that with Frank had made a call the day we were in the mastering sessions in Reading with the uh, the Pagan Baby CD, and Frank had made a call to. Eric Perfect, just like, yo, would you be interested in doing a show with Pegging Babies? Mm-hmm. And he went, absolutely. So we played the Trocadero with um, Wisdom and Chains, uh, Violent Society, uh, Nosebleeds, and we did, I think, I think it was Common Enemy as well. And we played, we played there, and, I, and as that show was ending, I went up to Eric and I went, and even during the course of time, I was like, I got a hardcore band that, that I'm at, heel, the Heels. I go, would you be interested in doing that? He goes, well, see, you know what kind of time I have, and then got it got as the months went by, the preparation for the Pegging Babies show, and we got to know each other, and then, and that was '08. So we, uh, that was when the Heels, the lineup that's currently with the Heels now, came to be that at that time. Because Eric jumped on with us with the heels, and then you know, so now that that that's the crew that's playing the Ruin show, is uh, me, Dan McGinnis, Alex Bavone, Mark Pingator, Eric Perfect. Okay. So I guess to sum it up, a question that I often ask the interview subjects is, uh, as I said earlier, I've I've spoken to people from two different sides of an age spectrum. Mm-hmm. Twenty years old was the youngest gentleman I talked to, and the oldest was sixty-eight. Right. You know? So we're talking. I said before, like a 48-year difference mm-hmm. uh, in age, but the same subject, punk, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Right? So why do, why do you think it is that this thing that's now you know, edging on, on 40 years old is still something that's vital and drawing young people in, that isn't like a sort of like weird museum nostalgia piece, but seems to retain this, like, this vitality and still kind of speak to successive generations of, of younger people? I just think that people just continue to be who I was when I was in high school. And you just It's just not, what, what's out there is not enough. Pop, pop culture is not entertaining enough for certain minds. Mm-hmm. And whether you look at the metal end of pop or, you know, like, that's the way I looked at it. Like, I was in Ozzy Osbourne, I was into guitars, I was into crunchy guitars, I was into stuff like that. And I, I just think that there's al- that's always going to be the case as opposed to, and having it been some kind of fad, because it never left. You know what I mean? You're, 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 like, you're saying, is it, I mean, I don't know the first documented hardcore song ever written, but I know it, it was probably pushing 1980 or 81, mm-hmm. and we're, we're, you know, where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. And it's still, you know, I mean, I just think pe- people always socially uh, just always have, quite, like, I remember back growing up in high school and just being, I wasn't, in this drugs and all, I wasn't into like keg parties and whatnot. It, it just wasn't my scene. So it was always this need for something else and something more that I felt was intellectual. I always thought hardcore was more intellectual than anything else that I was listening to. And I, I could only, although like now I just think it's a little like I know there's, I know from playing in the city, like on any given night, you know, if you're in South Philly, uh, like any given night, it's the, it is the same experience. It's a bunch of real cool people. You know, it, it, 
you know, getting together, they, they talk like they're family. It's not even like, you know what I mean? It's not oh, like, yeah, yeah. like, like how often do you find yourself saying hello to a stranger? But a punk show, you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, hey, what's up? And you know, you, and it's just like that, that, that experience is, it seemed, you know, just from what I've been around is very, very personable and it's very exclusive to that music. It just is. And I think that's another big thing with, like, even though we have so much more mainstream hardcore, like stuff that's at, at bigger venues and, and, and you know, ticket flies involved, and, you know, you, you still have JRs, you know what I mean? You still have a bunch of house shows. I mean, they're constantly, they're all over the place, you know what I mean? So it's like, even though we're in 2013, they're doing the same thing we were, that I was experiencing back in 83. You know? Yeah, I think when you talk about this lack of barrier between the audience and performer, I think that hardcore is still one of the very few types of, of entertainment or culture mm-hmm. that lacks that barrier. You right. know, in 2013, it's still really, there are very few things that have that kind of like immediacy between audience and performer. Absolutely. And then like the one gets off the stage and the other one gets on the stage and they switch roles. Right. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I think still in a lot of things there's a really great yeah. distance. We, between. we just did that the other night. We played down at JR's with with this being uh, on the cinder, it's like punk is just, it's such a hell of an experience. And, I, and I'm, I'm gonna be 47 in, um, in August. And it's like, I, I went into that club, went in a bar, and I, I had already been chatting with the gentleman from on the cinder about this show. And we, we went on and it, there just seemed to be a lot more people when we went on and as we got off, it, the other, it, the place emptied. The end of the night, it was it was. Guys and goddamn, hung out for a little bit, but it was the heels, spine chain, and on the cinder, and they were the people that were in there. That was it. Yeah. So so when spine chain went up, on the cinder and the and the remaining guys and the heels that were still hanging out were the ones getting into spine chain. And when spine chain came down and on the cinder went on, it was yeah. spine chain, and it's like it it, it that it, they're the things that that. Are very exclusive, just special to. Yeah, it's warm and self-supporting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I and I think really all that stuff is just the reason why that stuff is as healthy as it is today. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's not you know it's obviously not a fad and not something that came and went. You know what I mean? I mean really, I mean some people might think it did. You know, but it, it's obvious. I mean yeah. I, I you know, I mean I'm playing. Let's tell. Most of these gigs, I'll be happy if I see somebody in their 30s mm-hmm. when we're playing because I'm like, oh, they're close, you know, in age, you know what I mean? But, and I hear even Combat Crisis. When I listen to Combat Crisis, I hear, I hear old school there. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear, I hear, and I hear it all. Pop, Pop Zero, I hear it too. I hear, I hear it, it's great. It's a great feeling too because they're, they're going to be doing this shit for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's great to know that it is that healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for doing the interview and also for being in the band that when I was young, I saw you play Club Pizzazz a couple of times. So you kind of played several of my very earliest shows. So mm-hmm. I have like a you know very definitive memory of like seeing you perform. And it course, meant yeah. a lot to me because my introduction <coughs> to, to the Philly scene was through you know bands like yours. Awesome. Uh, and through like shows that Chuck was doing and things like that. So I was really glad that I right. got to see like from 87 on that 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 right. era of of Philly punk right. so, uh, well just as an outro because we really are when I when I say we we're like 
like it was Christmas Day when Mark got called for this Rowan show because Rowan is our favorite. Uh, Rowan's are just that the words can't describe how big Rowan fans that most of our friends. The, the, this whole specifically pegging babies, you know, the heels and all that. But I wanted to say, I thought I always say this is, is kind of funny, but it's the truth. We saw Rowan one night at, at uh, Abe's. And, you know, we're in the pit and they're jumping around, blah, 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 blah. And things just, it was just, it was the weirdest rock and roll moment, weirdest music moment that I, that one of the few on a short list that I have. Well, I remember Mark Pengator and a bunch of other people picking me up. And I, I don't know why I got picked up, maybe because I was a skinny dude and they could just throw me. Because Ruins do, getting into their thing and Cordy is up there, you know, and they just chucked me. And 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 I just it was uh, it was like like up, and I got I went I hit the neck of his base, just like like that, and I had these. They were all like, "Whoa, dude!" And I had his base. I had the frets and string. Like I almost swear I had like a fret coming down, but I definitely had two strings right here, and I think that got me. That I, I was almost like it was almost like a. Um, you know, you ever see these tenacious D moments where they have the like the, just this this like you're blessed with like a rock and roll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like just this instrument, and yeah, that leaves like sort of an indelible impression where maybe you can't physically see that, but you can feel <laughs> that like that's knocked into like, your goddamn head. It was like the best. I remember going. I forget where the hell I was at at that point. Going home and I'm going, what the hell happened to you? It's like, it's like I got thrown up on a stage. Why'd he do that? I go, I have no idea, but then I got wore them, wore them strings for about like a week or two. Nah, does Cordy know this if you ever tell him this? I'll probably tell him I'll probably tell him Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yeah. That'll probably be the next time I see him, but I'll definitely be <laughs> it was it was like you know. But man, we are we're we're so we're so jacked up to be on that bill. That's gonna be fantastic. I mean it's really it's great. it's they are they are one of the greatest musical experiences I've ever. Easy top top of the list. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. talking to those guys, they're, they're so smart and they're so sincere. You know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of reunion shows don't have a lot of sincerity, but right. they're done for the wrong reasons. Some like nostalgia or people who need money or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, talking to those guys, it seems like there's there's really heart behind oh, sure, it. And I, I think that, that that comes through. And, and yeah. uh, it's good that young folks will get a chance to see that. Oh, absolutely. More. Yeah, I tell we we the heels have bumped into a younger crowd during our travels and I and a lot of them don't know them and that's why you all well, uh, the stuff's out of print which doesn't help I yeah mean, the, there's no, there are no CDs well there was one in the like the late 90s that's or the, sometime in the 90s yeah it's out of print it was on Black Hole Records and, and mm -hmm. Rick from Black Hole is dead and the, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the label sort of but there's no it's out of print okay. I know that these things are supposed to be reissued it was something when I talked to them I well, felt really strongly about yeah because a lot of folks were getting stuff well, on the internet, like say media fire links, you mm -hmm. know, things on blogs, but a lot of those posts got shut down uh, over the course of the last year. Um, so a lot of the stuff that people were getting illegally, but <clears throat> it wasn't available otherwise, is now gone. Right. So, and you know, if it's not on iTunes for younger folks who want to discover this stuff, yeah, it's, sure. Yeah. So the fact that the things get oh, released, like I'm it. really glad that you reissued your stuff because yeah. it, it needs to be kept in, in print for people to continue to be able to discover yeah. it. Well, maybe this will jumpstart that because they're going to need pe people seeing them for the first time are going to need to have that stuff yeah they're supposed to do a reissue thing i mean i, I talked to dennis McHugh. he, he, he talked about i got that. fiat lux hanging right on my wall my, in the room that's like my day you know yeah it's a fucking great record yeah, 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 yeah. all but, of it 
All of it. Both both the LPs I have. Are you, I mean, yeah, hey ho. Yeah. But we were like, wow. You know, like, I was like, how can we do that? And then it was, you know, it, it went through pretty, pretty, you know, pretty smooth, I guess, you know, for the, the fellas that wanted to do it. And, uh, you know, just a great, just a great, just being affiliated with that and being, being around them. You know what I mean? It's just a great feeling, you know? Yeah. And we got to do FOD's 30th anniversary this year. It's got been it. a great year. Mm-hmm. It's been a great year for that kind of stuff, you know, because it, 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 I think that when anyone questions when they see older people, that oh, this guy's got gray hair, you know, what is this shit? You know what I mean? What it, like you're saying, like intentions and like what, what is the reason why? It sure now has not, nothing to do with money because when it comes to the band, anything I do band, I'm still spending more money than, than anything. Right, right. It has nothing, it, it, that has not changed over the years at all. But one thing, and one thing I've already noticed with the people that are that are that are jumping on, saying that they're coming to that show, like when, when FOD did their 30th anniversary, that room was packed. I mean, it was a real nice crowd. It was just like old times. People, everyone was was drinking in the parking lot because there wasn't a bar there, so everyone and eat, no fights, right. no bullshit, and it was it was the same people. It was the same people that we could, that that from '83. It was the same group of people. That we grew up watching, you know, going to shows with, and you know that that's like that's timeless. You know what I mean to see people come out like that. So, and I'm sure that's going to be the case for that night. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're on the bill. Uh, yeah, me too. And again, thank you for doing this. Uh, you're very welcome.